You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our first guest today is John Larson. He is president of Rich Web Incorporated from the great Commonwealth of Richmond, Virginia. Virginia, I guess, is the Commonwealth. The city is Richmond. We'll be right with John in one moment. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. Of course, all of our shows can be heard live exclusively on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to the show as a podcast, many of you do from iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and other places. We encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. The show is brought to you by our advertisers, Brandman University, Center Club, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, Smart Business Magazine, S&H Rubber, Succession Strategies, Tone Software, and UPS Protection. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs running middle market firms across North America, to improve your decision-making skills. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, my name is Richard Rick Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. Our Twitter handle is CEO Peer Groups. And if you'd like to listen to the show on a regular basis, go to your favorite podcasting software, type in Critical Mass Radio Show, and uh, subscribe to it, and we do three shows a week. All right, as I said at the open, I'd like to thank our Renaissance Executive Forum's business partner, Joe Carey, who's in the Richmond area, for bringing John Larson, president of Rich Web Incorporated, to our attention. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Tell me a little bit about Rich Web Incorporated. Well, we are an IT consultant, and I know they, they sound like they're a dime a dozen, and we probably are. But most IT consultants are product or vendor-specific. They have a particular platform or a kit that they like to sell. We're different because we try to, we're consultants that specialize in the internet plumbing technologies, the routers, the switches, the firewalls, the security, all those boxes that sit in the corner that nobody really thinks about until one of them breaks and then suddenly everybody's standing around and it's a big problem. Yeah. We're the guys you call when those things break. <laughs> would, would you consider that hardware then? Hardware, it could, it's also a combination of software and configuration that rides on top of those systems. Another way of looking at it is the uh, all the shiny apps and websites that the youngsters are building. We're the people that uh, make all the stuff that they ride on top of actually work. <laughs> How did you select that area to focus on? That's a great question. Uh, we started off building, when, when I was younger, we started off building the shiny things, the apps. Uh, of course, back then they weren't called apps. They were just websites. We got into that market, and we found that as it was becoming more and more competitive, um, it was difficult to you know, make good margin on those you know, web application, website development. We realized that some of the larger websites that we were hosting, we had to develop special technologies, special techniques, best practices. Uh, we accrued a lot of knowledge over the years in, in, in hosting those larger websites, and we said to ourselves one day, you know, this is what we ought to be doing. We ought to be sharing this knowledge and getting paid for it, helping other customers that have these larger websites, these critical applications that have to stay up. It's not so much about the app, whether the code does A or B. It's whether or not that code is up and running and doing what it's supposed to be doing, you know, 24 by 7. So where does this equipment reside? Uh, we, we have a, a mixed business model. We, we uh, still host websites. Our, our main large websites that we host that, that people may have heard of before would be uh, hogville.net, which is the University of Arkansas uh, fan site, Duke Basketball Report, 
everybody knows about Duke basketball. Uh, we host sounds, their fan forums. Yeah, that sounds like a popular site with a lot of people uh, commenting. Very, very popular. Last year when uh, Alabama and Notre Dame played each other, um, we actually were hosting the uh, number one fan site, TideFans.com and wow. uh, UHND.com for the uh, uh, Notre Dame side. We had the, the both of the two largest fan sites for both of those colleges were hosted on our infrastructure while they those two teams were playing each other. Their fans were battling it out in our data center. <laughs> Clash of Titans, uh, NC2A Titans. There you go, and all their uh, and those are some diehard fans. Uh, but, yep, but we should just it, leave it at that. Um, <laughs> It was definitely an interesting night. I would think, yeah. So um, how long have you been in business? Uh, we've started in 1995. Thank you. Um, I, got, I started RichUp with my uncle, Mark Lee. Um, we were co-founders. We started RichUp in 1995, again, with a grand idea to be a uh, these new things called websites. We were going to build them and host them. And that was our, our initial plan. And then as, as things changed over the years and evolved, um, we moved more towards the network services where we now – Although we still do hosting, uh, we basically consult with other customers that have large environments, and we help them keep their environments uh, running properly based on the knowledge that we that we acquired in, in running our facility. You're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. John Larson, president of Rich Web Incorporated, is our guest. I have about two minutes until our next our first commercial break. So, but John, I want to ask you: Is the technology innovation revving f- as fast in the hardware and software infrastructure? as it might appear for people that maybe are familiar with, you know, B2C products like apps that are on their phones and things that touch the client directly that, we're, that we see? No, it's not moving quite as fast. Um, the, the apps is, is moving at breakneck speed. That, that's the younger generation, the, the 20-somethings that are building those. That's, that's evolving incredibly fast. The, the, the plumbing that I talked about before, that technology is, is typically a three- to five-year life cycle at a minimum, whereas the apps might be, believe it or not, like a five- the 10-month life cycle. It's, it's a totally different ballgame. Okay, so there's there's a more solid, than what I hear you saying, tell me if this is right, John Larson, president of Rich Web, that the, infra, that the, the hardware and software infrastructure is a, it may be a more solid foundation, as it were, and, and it, something that you can build upon. It's definitely more solid. Um, you know, if a, if a single application crashes, um, that's obviously not good, but if your entire infrastructure goes down, an entire business or hospital is down, that's a really, really bad thing. So there's definitely a lot more change control that happens in those environments. You have to really know what you're doing. And the, the buzzwords the last three or four years have been failover and redundancy. People don't want to have a single point of failure. Exactly. John Larson is our guest. He knows what he's talking about as it relates to his firm, Rich Web Incorporated. And we're going to take our first uh, time out here on Critical Mass Radio Show. See, I used a football analogy to cut it in basketball to sort of tie tie into our earlier conversation, John. You, you just can't teach this stuff that I do here in, in Critical Mass <laughs> Radio great. Show. When we come back. I'd like to ask you, because I know you consult with a lot of different type of companies in the Richmond area, what's the biggest complaint you, as a service writer in this space, are encountering from your clients these days? So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. John Larson will answer that question and more when we come back on Critical Mass Radio Show. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy 
and successfully passing your business on to the next generation safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Commercial Bank of California, or CBC, is a well-funded, full-service bank located in the heart of Orange County. CBC is ranked in the top 6% nationally for financial strength. Commercial Bank of California was founded in 2003 by a group of Orange County's finest entrepreneurs. To this day, our bank is governed by our founders, including General William Lyon of William Lyon Homes, Alex Morello of the Morello Group, and Frank Willey of Fidelity National Financial, to name a few. In short, we are a bank founded, built, and run by entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs. Not every business in Orange County should be our customer. However, if your business is looking for a bank that can assist in finance, production, analytics, and risk management, there's no better bank to choose. To understand the true power of how Commercial Bank of California can help you achieve your goals, give us a call at 714-431-7000 or visit us on the web at www.cbcal.com or at our new headquarters at 19752 MacArthur Boulevard in Irvine. Member FDIC. Today's businesses are embracing voice over IP telephones and unified communication desktop technologies to more effectively communicate and collaborate with their customers, suppliers, and colleagues. The Reliatel management software from Tone Software Corporation helps organizations of all sizes manage their communications technologies to ensure great voice quality and better levels of service and reliability throughout their business. Through Reliatel, you'll gain higher return on investments from VoIP and unified communications technologies while lowering the associated operational support and maintenance costs. Learn more. Visit www.tonesoft.com or call 800-833-8663 for information on Reliatel by Tone Software, the solution for quality business communications. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. John Larson, president of Rich Web Incorporated, is our guest. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our radio show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 18,000 episodes during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. Of course, all of our shows can be heard live on Internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, literally hundreds of middle market companies' websites whose CEO has been a guest on our show in the past, and they put the player on their website so you can listen to the show, as well as business-oriented podcasting services. If you'd like to subscribe to the Critical Mass Radio Show as a podcast, go into your podcasting software, type Critical Mass Radio Show, uh, subscribe to it, you'll get three shows a week of this kind of sparkling conversation. All right, John, before the break, I said we were going to ask you to talk about the number one or what are some of the biggest complaints you're getting right now from clients these days as it relates to Internet, speed, congestion, traffic, etc. Can you give us a sense for what people are complaining about? 
the number one thing they always ask is, why is my Internet slow? Why is it slow today? I'm tired of it being slow. Can you make it faster? Um, more and more services these days are going cloud-based. What that means is that instead of folks having a phone system sitting in their office, the phone system is sitting in the cloud somewhere. And that means that all of your voice traffic that's leaving your office has to be basically encapsulated and sent across the Internet as data packets. And so if you have Internet congestion or if your Internet is not performing in an ideal state, your voice conversations get, get dropped, and that's really bad for business. So what do you tell them? Well, <laughs> what the easy solution is always, well, just go out and buy more bandwidth. Just get, make it faster. Just, just spend more money. But that's really not, in most cases, that's really not very effective. And the reason for that is as more and more of these services are going towards the cloud, um, in the business sector, in the residential sector, it's that the same thing is happening. You know, kids these days, they're on YouTube or Hulu or Netflix is the big one. And what's happened in the, in the commercial sector is that a lot of these providers that are offering what's called best effort broadband, yes. which is your cable modem from Comcast or Time Warner or your Fios from Verizon, those, those services are all best effort. And as more and more resi residential users are jumping on and using more and more bandwidth, it's starting to affect the business users. A lot of these business users uh, don't necessarily have the, the, the money to purchase a $3,000 a month uh, fiber circuit that has you know 100 megabits or 200 megabits of bandwidth. In many cases, they're using essentially the same technology that you use at your house. And the problem with that is when the kids jump on Netflix and the kids start streaming a lot of movies, that can impact the, the business traffic, and that's that's a real problem for folks. Uh, when your voice traffic isn't isn't working, you know, when your phone calls are dropping because uh, the Netflix movie is being downloaded, you know, by the kids in the uh, the suite next to you or in a, in a house in a residential neighborhood in the, in the block behind your office park, that's a real problem. And so, yes, you, your customers could try to open the checkbook and simply uh, buy more bandwidth, but in many cases that's not an option. It's not an affordable option. Let me, let me state it that way. What do you see the future hold then in this area? It's only more and more people are only consuming more and more content via broadband. I mean, do you see a technology change in the future that's going to alleviate this problem? What is, well, in many, what is it? That's a good question. In many cases, these providers that I'm talking about are victims of their own, their own success. They, they rolled out a new business cable package in a city like Richmond. Um, we're not unique. There's, there's Richmond's all over the country. And all of a sudden, people that were paying $1,000 or $2,000 a month for a T1 said, wait a second, I can get more bandwidth, and I'm only going to pay $200 a month. It's kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> Right? You think? <laughs> yeah. Right. So there's this mass exodus of people leaving legacy technologies and all these people, these, these customers, jumping onto the new technologies. In many cases, the networks were provisioned five, ten years ago. And while they were fast for, you know, what was happening in 2005 when most of our traffic was web traffic, they're right. not fast enough today for the streaming that's going on. Five five years ago is a lifetime, right? I mean, the yes. the, the, the user profile is, and think about the, the impact of, of, of smartphones and what, like you said, downloads, etc. It's, it you know, it is an issue that I think we hear the term net neutrality and maybe in the news it's been in, you know, kind of the federal government's rolling around fighting with it. I think it's, it's something that is not totally clear to a CEO of a middle market business, and I'm not sure she or he understands or has yet had time to contemplate, does this affect me at all? In other words, will, will I become a part of this fight, or is this a fight between 
maybe what are perceived to be B to C industry titans. You're exactly right. They don't. They don't really care who's right or who's wrong. They just want their phones to work better. They want their Office 365 email to load faster. They don't. They don't care about the mechanics of how it how it happens. They don't want to be part of the battle. Is essentially what you're. You're yeah. exactly right. Because if it ends up being a part of the battle, and the only way you can solve your problem is putting more money into a system because you have to make a bigger investment, it'd be nice to know about that in advance. We're talking with John Larson, who's president of Rich Web. You know, I want to ask you. I know that you recently helped to found in the Richmond area the first what is termed open internet exchange. Your motto there is keep local traffic local. Uh, th- this is something I'm curious about. It came to our attention here on the radio show, but I really don't un- un- fully understand what that is. So could you help my audience of CEOs of middle market firms kind of appreciate what it is you got behind there in Richmond and why? Absolutely. It's a very simple concept. Richmond is not a tier one city. We're not a Boston. We're not a Chicago. Uh, certainly not a Dallas, Atlanta, or D.C. So there is a limited amount of, of Internet uh, capacity in this town, and there's a limited amount of providers that you can pick from. So if I'm a small business owner or even a medium-sized business owner, and I have, let's say, an office on the north side of town and an office on the south side of town, there's, it's a very strong likelihood that I'm not going to be able to use the same provider on both sides of the town affordably. So I may have provider X at my north side office and provider Y at my south side office. If I picked a provider on the north side that, pump, that pumps or punts all of their Internet traffic up to Washington, D.C., and my south side connection pumps or pushes all of their traffic to Atlanta, then every time uh, my business manager in the north side office wants to send an email to the operations manager in the south side office, that email has to get routed all the way through D.C., Atlanta, and then back. It's not very efficient. That's a, that's a big problem when, you, when, you, when things take longer than you think they should. It's because traffic is going much further on the internet than it really should have to. So, so that's so, ma- that. Ma- I'm sorry to interrupt you, John, but that no, manifests no, itself to a business owner as slow performance between maybe different locations of the same company in the same city. Correct. The the again, the solution is presented many times in the sense that you open your checkbook and you simply pay the in a sixty five thousand uh, dollars amortized over a few years, of course, to have the um, the same provider dig and trench fiber. Uh, in, the ca- in, in some cases, they're not even willing to do that. In some cases, you simply can't easily get the same provider in both locations for your office, and so you have to mix and match. And if you if you have already spent a lot of money on one carrier, the last thing you want to do when you, let's say, you acquire a company that's in a different region of the city, the last thing you want to have to do is spend a lot of money to have a different provider uh, come out and bury fiber and, and, and charge you uh, for, for, that, for those expenses. So then what is Richmond's first open Internet exchange? What is that? The idea is very simple. In keeping local traffic local, what you're telling to the providers in town is if it's Richmond traffic, it should stay in Richmond. We shouldn't have to go to D.C. We shouldn't have to go to Atlanta for two offices in the same city to talk to each other. So uh, essentially what we want is every provider in town, all the major providers and some and corporations, universities, colleges, they connect. They basically bring a piece of fiber into a data center. And that data center essentially is running a big switch, basically a box with lots of blinking ports on it. And those providers all plug into their um, particular assigned port on that switch. And then if two providers need to exchange traffic, they can do it local to Richmond. So we're talking two or three milliseconds instead of 200, or probably not 200, probably more like 100 milliseconds. But it's going to be a 
for, for interactive applications like a video chat, uh, you know, a large email that's time-sensitive, um, you know, any conversations over voice over IP, it makes a big difference in the quality of those, of those conversations if the traffic does not have to leave that geographical region. So you, you helped to found the first open Internet exchange in Richmond. Are these exchanges in place in other cities that aren't first-tier markets? That's a great question, and the answer is uh, the the exchange model wasn't invented in America. It was actually um, invented in Europe. In the, in the American model, most of the exchanges that exist today are private. In other words, a, a for-profit company sets up a data center, puts a switch in there, and then charges customers whatever they like on a customer-by-customer customer basis to connect to their data center and then exchange traffic. In the American uh, market, things have been developing very fast in the last year or so. It all started with this net neutrality um, issue that you mentioned earlier. The content providers like the Netflixes, the Amazons, uh, YouTube, Hulu, those folks that are having that have large amounts of content they want to deliver to their end users, their pipes are congested because there's not enough capacity on the Comcasts and the Time Warners and the Verizon Fios, the, the, the middlemen basically don't have enough capacity to, to deliver that traffic. And so the way around that for the content providers is to set up their servers directly in, a, in an exchange for each particular market. So in Richmond, you may have some servers for Amazon and some servers for Akamai and whatnot. In a different city, you're going to have a different set of servers. The idea is when someone wants to go to CNN.com and pull up the page and, and click the video and watch what's going on, the, the traffic, the, the video that they're watching, that traffic is all local. It's not going to Atlanta. It's not going to New York. If you're in Richmond, it's going to go right to a server sitting right there in Richmond, so it's going to be super fast and super efficient. Excellent. I'm talking with John Larson. He clearly knows his stuff, ladies and gentlemen. He's president of Rich Web Incorporated. So I have about two minutes left with you here on the radio show. I didn't want you to leave without asking you two more questions. One, because I could talk to you about this exchange idea a, a lot longer, John. Um, what does the future hold for your firm? Well, what we hope to do is to get this exchange off the ground, to make it uh, salient for customers here in town to connect to it, and the, the, the big advantage is for folks in the data center, it's an upsell capability. If you have uh, all of the different providers are coming and meeting up essentially at your place, there's a very strong likelihood that if another customer wanted to put a server there, they're going to want to pay for rack space in your facility. So while the exchange is, is, pub, is a public exchange, it's a non, non-profit, not-for-profit exchange, there are business interests that can play on top of that because of, of being close and connected to all the other entities that are appearing there that are, that are delivering their traffic there. So what we would like to do is introduce this model to other cities in our area that are in the same disadvantaged uh, standpoint. In other words, they're not a, like an NFL city or they're not a Tier 1 city where they've got lots of choice. We want to help those, uh, those environments enjoy some of the same fast Internet um, that, the, that the larger cities typically have enjoyed in the past. And it only is going to become more important, you know, this term fast Internet. We're going to be, uh, people are, are going to have such an expectation about its responsiveness and performance that any amount of delay is going to be seen, it's going to be seen as unbearable. So yep. you're on, I think yep. you're on the cusp of something that's only going to become more critical to consumers and businesses. So John Larson, president of Rich Web Incorporated in the great state of well, I, actually, the Commonwealth of Virginia. I keep making that mistake calling the state. My engineer keeps correcting me, which is quite annoying in its own right, but I appreciate his attention to detail. How does somebody find you online? How do they get in touch with you? 
Well, right now our, our, uh, our exchange website is not online yet. We've incorporated and we are getting our um, facilities uh, built and set up in this coming month. But for now, they can go to www.richweb.com. And coming soon, we'll have our exchange website, which is www.rva-ix.net. And we'd like to invite everybody to um, come out there and learn all about our exchange. All the information will be put on the website, so there's no private uh, deals, no backroom pricing. Everybody gets the same price, the same fair treatment, and that's how the, the open exchange presents an advantage to all of its customers. You, you know exactly what you're paying, and you know exactly what the guy next to you is paying. I have a sense, John Larson, that I'm going to be asking Joe Carey in Richmond, Virginia, Renaissance Executive Forums, to get you back on the show in the future, because I think this whole idea of net neutrality and these exchanges are only going to become more in the focus of the mainstream as we begin to understand kind of the importance behind it. I want to thank you, though, today for being a guest on our show, a member of our community, and a friend of the program. Thank you very much, John Larson. Thank you for having me. Glad to do it. My pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show, and I am your host, Rick Franzi. Natalie Meeks, Director of Public Works for the City of Anaheim, is going to be our guest and for the next two segments. We're going to have her in here to talk about an exciting new Anaheim Regional Transportation Intermodal Center. We'll just call it Arctic from now on. I was there earlier this week to see the ribbon cutting, and we're going to talk about how important this new public works project is to Orange County and Southern California commuters. We'll be back after these words from our sponsors. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. that over 73% of consumer packaged goods and retail products fail miserably within their first year? Why? Because they find themselves in the pit of unawareness. You don't want to go there. Call me and I'll make sure that your packaging gets noticed. You know how I know? Because I'm the founder and creative director of MBN Design. We're one of Orange County's most established and trusted design firms. With over 20 years of experience, I can ensure that your brand will always stay new. Ask me how our packaging sold millions in months or see for yourself other success stories on our website at www.mbndesign.com. We're MBN because we're making brands new. Call 714-458-8701 and talk to me, Hector Garcia. That's myself, 714-458-8701. I'll be waiting for your call. 
UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. As promised, Natalie Meeks, Director of Public Works for the City of Anaheim, is sitting here in the studio, and we're going to be talking about ARCTIC, which I told you before the break what that stands for, but believe me, I'll mention it again. But before we do that, I just want to let you know that our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching this targeted demographic, then advertising on the radio show is the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of the program. And with our unique and exclusive prospect engagement program, Critical Mass Radio Show delivers 24 warm prospects to each of our platinum advertisers. If you'd like to learn more about that exciting program, contact Rose Chamora, 951-515-4661. Okay, Natalie Meeks, Director of Public Works for the City of Anaheim. Tell me about, and I'll give it out, Arctic, which is Anaheim Regional Transportation Intermodal Center. What is that? Arctic is our transportation center. It just opened this week, and it is a intermodal center that brings all the transportation uses together. So we've got rail, we've got rubber tire, a number of bus services, we've got taxis, we've got a regional bike trail, we've got pedestrian uses. It's in the heart of Orange County, right here in the city of Anaheim, located between the Honda Center and Angel Stadium, just about three miles east of Disneyland and our Anaheim Convention Center. It is Orange County's Grand Central Station. Um, But more than that, it's also a gathering place for the community. It's a place that has retail and amenities. It's got free Wi-Fi and a place where people can gather and, uh, you know, wait for a train or, or just meet somebody for a drink or something like that. So it's it's a great asset to the community and a transportation asset for the county. Many of us who have driven through, um, driven that area on the 57 near Angel Stadium and, and south of um, uh, where the Ducks play, uh, Honda Center, have been, have been watching the construction of this interesting-looking building off to the right if you're going north and the left if you're coming south, I think, if my math is, my directions are correct. Um, what problem? does Arctic solve? Arctic is one of the transportation solutions that we need for the future. We can't continue to just build freeways, so we need to give people options, and Arctic provides a transportation, seamless transportation connection between our rail services, the Losan Corridor, which is the second busiest rail corridor in the nation, and then your final destination. So we are 
with have like 51,000 jobs right within the Arctic area, within five miles. We have over 25 million visitors a year to that area. This makes a seamless connection with these other transit services so people can get to their final destination. And when we get them using rail, we get them off the freeway. So that not only relieves today's congestion and future congestion, but keeps us from spending the millions of dollars that it takes to continue to widen our freeways. Okay, so you, the, the, the word intermodal, intermodal, is a part of the name of Arctic. And maybe for people who have tried to use rail in the past, they found that it, it's a bit, it, it has been a bit disconnected from just what do you do when you're not on the train? Like, how do you get there and what do you do when you get off the train to get to the final destination? How does Arctic here in Orange County address that? That is one of the biggest challenges of using rail, and um, Arctic makes those connections seamless. The the buses, the taxis, the shuttles, the um, they, excuse me, the station vans—they're all right there, steps away from the platform. Easy connections. All the signage is uh, together so that you can find your way easily, and that hasn't been possible as much in the the old station and things. So this really helps do that. Excellent. So we're talking with Natalie Meeks. She's Director of Public Works for the City of Anaheim. We're talking about Arctic. It's it's going to have a big event here uh, later in the week. So if you're lucky enough to be listening live to us here on octalkradio.net, boy, do we have some something to tell you about that's going to be happening in just two short days. But before we get there, Natalie, was it always predestined that Anaheim was going to be the home for Arctic? Or was there a discussion within the county about maybe other locations to put something like this? Arctic is actually uh, initially a concept that came from Anaheim about 20 years ago. And because we do have transportation challenges with all of our event centers there, our local streets um, become quite gridlocked in certain periods of the day or time when events are going on. So we needed to look to our future and what rail could do to help us solve that problem. So Arctic is a concept that's been around for 20 years. As uh, it became... um, more of a reality and the funding got to put in place. There were some discussions about whether or not Anaheim was the right place for it, but Anaheim is the heart of Orange County. Um, It is one of the busiest transit usage areas in the city. Both Anaheim and Santa Ana have high transit usage already, so it was a proper place to put this. Is Because um, I will not debate the fact it's the heart of Orange County from the perspective that if I think of where the attractions are in Orange County, that people would logically use rail to get to and from the sports centers that are there the entertainment centers the amusement parks it seems to me to be very logical that the density of traffic kind of resides there in anaheim very near where you've put the intermodal area is that correct that's correct yes not only our visitors and attractions but also the jobs that support those i mean like i said fifty-one thousand jobs right there um, supporting those attractions. When you and say fifty-one thousand jobs, you're saying people that go to work during the day. Fifty-one thousand of them are in that immediate area of Arctic. That's correct. So they're log- They may not live in the immediate area of Arctic, so they might be the very logical constituents for this rail system. Yeah, the important thing is that it's both a, a destination center and then a jumping off part for people that may um, work in LA. So we do have a lot of people that live in the area that'll come here and go to their jobs, but also we want to attract people that live in other areas that are coming to work here. So it's it's a train station for both services. Okay, so um, we have about two minutes left before our next commercial break. I'm talking with Natalie Meeks. She's Director of Public Works for the wonderful city, the heart of Orange County, the city of Anaheim. Let's talk about the event that you invited me to go to on December uh, on December 8th, which was the ribbon cutting. Just for those that were not lucky enough to be there, what happened on that day? 
Well, December 8th was our ribbon cutting and dedication of the building, and we've put it into service now. You can go there and catch the services. Uh, so it was it was kind of the initial ribbon cutting, opening it up, letting people come and see it. Um, all the politicians were all there. All the politicians were there. Getting photos taken. Yes. Kissing babies, all that <laughs> stuff that we... We know that they do. They were there, yes. Okay. Uh, it was an exciting event. We've worked really hard to get this uh, completed, and we were excited to show it off to people. Any idea of how many people showed up? Uh, mean, there was about 800 people there. 800 people? Yeah. Okay. So that's a, that's, uh, that's a pretty exciting time. I um, tweeted out a picture and put it on my LinkedIn. It was yeah, It's a beautiful building and structure. And Could we talk a little bit about the materials that went into making that and a little bit about its, you know, the engineering behind the facility as well? Absolutely. Let's do that after the break. How does that, Natalie Meeks? So okay. You're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. Natalie Meeks, Director of Public Works for the City of Anaheim, is our guest. We'll be back to talk more about Arctic after these words from our commercial sponsors. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Over 73% of consumer packaged goods and retail products fail miserably within their first year. Why? Because they find themselves in the pit of unawareness. You don't want to go there. Call me and I'll make sure that your packaging gets noticed. You know how I know? Because I'm the founder and creative director of MBN Design. We're one of Orange County's most established and trusted design firms. With over 20 years of experience, I can ensure that your brand will always stay new. Ask me how our packaging sold millions in months or see for yourself other success stories on our website at www.mbndesign.com. We're MBN because we're making brands new. Call 714-458-8701 and talk to me, Hector Garcia. That's myself. 714-458-8701. I'll be waiting for your call. SNH Rubber is a manufacturing company in Fullerton, California. We specialize in custom molded, extruded, and stamped rubber parts. If your next job requires a rubber part, we would appreciate the opportunity to quote on it. We serve aerospace, automotive, and many other industries. We work with many types of rubber, including silicone, EPDM, neoprene, buninitrile, and viton. Our quality system is ISO and AS9100 approved. Over our 47 years in business, the SNH brand has become known for superior quality, quick turnaround, and competitive pricing. Please check out our website at www.shrubber.com or call 714-525-0277. Let SNH be your ceiling solution. 
And welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Natalie Meeks, Director of Public Works for the City of Anaheim, is our guest for this uh, segment. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download the radio show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 18,000 episodes during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live on octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com for your European audience, as well as hundreds of businesses' websites whose CEO has been on our radio show and the company has put the player so that you can hear their interview on their website. If you'd like to listen to us, just go to your podcasting software, type in Critical Mass Radio Show, and then you'll get our updates three times a week. We do three shows here on OC Talk Radio every week. All right, so let's talk about the actual physical facility. It's a beautiful structure. It was interesting to watch get built because I drove by it countless times. So tell me a little bit about the engineering and the science that went into building this. That's a great project, and we had um, three basic priorities as we started this project. And, of course, the first was function, which we talked about. But we also wanted the building to be iconic because we wanted to draw attention to transit. Orange County doesn't pay much attention to transit. Uh, a lot of people don't even know the types of services that are available. And, and so we needed something that grabbed people's attention. And okay. so this iconic structure was meant to do that. And then the other, another priority was to have it lead platinum, which is the highest level of sustainability um, certification that a building can get. And that goes along with transit. We, we're looking for a vision of a sustainable future. And so as we went out to build this project, we wanted it to represent that sustainable future and that vision. And so it does have some really incredible, innovative uh, features built into it. And probably the most visible is the roof structure. And it's built uh, with a steel structure and a shell of what they call ETFE material. It's a, a polymer-infused type of plastic almost. I love it when you talk technical on yeah. the radio show, <laughs> Natalie Meeks. And it's made in pillows. If you, The well, non-technical term is pillows. Yeah, it looks like pillows. And, yeah. and it is. Uh, it's filled with air, which is a great insulator. Wow. But it also lets in too. a very lightweight, so it reduced the steel structure that okay. supports it. So it was economical. And it uh, lets natural light in, which in any room, you, when you have natural light, it's just a, a better feeling. Right. And it has uh, reflection, reflective dots on it that keeps out the radiant heat, but lets in this beautiful natural light, which also reduces our electrical use during the day as we'd make use of that natural light in the building. Right. And then at night, it's lit with LED lights that can change colors Uh-oh. and glow from the outside. So it, it really is uh, a beautiful building right. both day and night. It also has other sustainable features in it um, because it's such a tall structure. You really only occupy the the bottom eight feet or so where the people are. And so Uh the heating and cooling comes from the floor with cooled and heated water circulating underneath the floor. And you only condition that space, which, of course, saves tremendously in our energy use and our conditioning of the space. It also has louvers in the front and the back of the building that open and close automatically based on the weather and temperature conditions. And the building is designed in a shape that um, allows for these natural flows to go mm. through the building. So it's, it's got all these great features built into it. It has rainwater capture. It's got recycled water use. It's got the drought-tolerant landscaping. It does have solar panels. It, it's just this wonderful, innovative building that people need to come out and see and experience and, and understand it, not just look at the beauty of it, but really understand what it can do for the future. That's a very... Uh very detailed description of the building, and having been, had, I had the pleasure to walk through it on December the eighth, and 
it is very airy and very open and the natural lighting it just it's it's a very it's and it's brand new brand new stuff is just cool right all everything's new and nice and you know uh, i i ex- kind of described it as orange county's grand central station right. and and it is orange county's grand central station because it is big and it's got a kind of like shape like that but it's ours because it's sunshine and it's airy and it's <laughs> yeah, you know it's not dark and small and, <laughs> yes and it's beautiful and it's you know it, it represents what orange county is exactly and it is uh, a marvel to behold and um and i'm I'd love. I can't wait to see it at night, right? Because it sounds like you're saying if you drive by it as well at night, you might be able to see the LEDs that light up a little oh, bit below the ceiling. The roof. Yeah, it's orange for Ducks games and well, look it'll at be red that. for Angels be red games. For the Angels it'll games. be red yeah, for right, Angels right, games. Right. And yeah, I love that. Oh, how fun is that? <laughs> Natalie Meeks is our guest here on Critical Mass Radio Show. She's the director of Public Works for the wonderful city of Anaheim. All right, I wouldn't do this interview justice if I didn't ask you to talk a little bit about what you have planned for this coming Saturday. So, again, if you're listening to this live, or maybe you've picked this up on Friday as a podcast on iTunes or something, and you have some time or can make some time on Saturday, what's going on at Arctic? Saturday is our public grand opening celebration. So it's going to be a lot more fun than the ribbon cutting with all the politicians. This is for the people. This is to get people out there. There'll be bands and activities and booths and all the uh, designers for the building will be out there so you can really learn about the building and how it was built and the features of it. We'll have prizes. We'll have, you know, giveaways and it'll be a great day to come out there'll be kids activities it's for the whole family we want to get the people out there not only learning about the transportation services it provides but learning about the sustainable features of the building and just experiencing and knowing it's there for the community and and it's there for them to enjoy and to use um what time it's 9.30 to 3 on Saturday, so come by any part of the day. 9.30 in the morning to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. How's the parking? How did you guys handle deciding how... I mean, is par- it, I parked there so I can know the answer, but Natalie, what's the parking like at Arctic? There are three separate parking lots, um, and we have over 1,000 parking spaces to serve our uh, transit needs and our special event needs. So if if uh, I would think if a young family wants to come out and expose their children to this new, uh, my, my wife's a, a science teacher in sixth grade, I would think this is a great thing for students to learn about. I mean, this is the latest public works project in Orange County of this magnitude, and it sounds like using all the latest building techniques. So it's really a showcase, isn't it? It absolutely is, and we'll continue to use it as that and do tours and educational things. We're actually having educational videos made about the sustainable components of it. So we do want this to be a showcase, and we want to continue to share it with the community and and teach people about what uh, you can do in the future. Right, because, you know, when you said we here in Southern California are not that familiar with the the concept of mass transit or transit, and you're absolutely right. I think we think of transit as uh, how long is the wait in the, you know, on the the freeway, or is there a lot of traffic? So the idea that you can actually get from here to Santa Barbara, to yes. L.A., to yeah. points north in San Diego by going to Arctic and have a pleasure doing it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can uh, you know sit and relax rather than sitting in traffic on your way to San Diego or the beach or whatever those destinations are. You really need to try it, and that's what we're trying to get people out, get their attention, come out and check it out. So we're going to have buses people can the kids can walk on and kind of get a feel of this is what it feels like we're gonna you know have those different services available and people to help you find your route and and how it all works right because this in addition to serving a need this could also be be the beginning of a philosophical change in some way for how we in this southern california region view transportation absolutely yeah i've 
heard a study that uh, said that young people would rather give up their cars than their phones. Wow. And so, um, you know, this is playing into that next generation. This is built for not only today, but the future. Right. And, and how people will provide mobility in the future. Any sense for how long these public works projects are supposed to have? What's the useful life of Arctic? I mean, how long do we think that will be there and be a viable uh, public works project? We designed Arctic for the next 50 years. Okay. So, you know, certainly it'll expand and take on new transportation services as those are developed over the next 50 years. What kind of capacity are you expecting this to create? I mean, how much ridership? What's the throughput of the place? Initially, we're expecting about eight to 10,000 riders a day, but it's designed to handle up to 50,000 riders a day as we continue 50, to grow 000. transportation services. Wouldn't that be an amazing day in Southern California when 50,000 people actually used mass transit to get places? That's what we need to provide the services for because our population will continue to grow. Right. And you can come from the Inland Empire, right? And yes. You, I mean, this this is all points uh, north, south, and east. I don't know how so much west, right, <laughs> since we're pretty close to the coast. But we have about two minutes left here on Critical Mass Radio Show. We're talking about Arctic, and we're talking about Arctic with Natalie Meeks, who's director of public works for the city of Anaheim. Okay, let's say um, someone's so excited that they, they can't wait for Saturday to come. They want to go online and learn more about Arctic. Arctic. Can you tell them how to find it online? Yes, we have lots of information at arcticinfo.com. So that's arcticinfo, all one word, dot com. And if I wasn't sure how to spell Arctic, how would I spell it? A-R-T-I-C. Did you have a hand in naming it? Was that was that your creation? To that was, the, are you the brain trust behind that? That was not my creation. And like I said, this uh, concept's been around for 20 years. Um, so it was not my creation, but, but it's kind of stuck. <laughs> and it's a good name. So yeah. is that true? Final question. Usually that's my last question, but you you said 20 years a couple times, and I think, boy, for a CEO of a middle market company, 20 years seems like a lifetime. Uh, is that typical for a public works project of this magnitude to take about that amount of time to get to fruition? Sometimes, yes. I mean, especially innovative ones like this. You know, I, I would say that a standard freeway project or something, probably 10 years Okay. by the time you get through environmental and construction and everything. Right. But this this was really innovative. We, we needed to tell people about the vision and teach people about the vision and, and get people to understand what we were trying to accomplish. How long did the actual construction project take? It took a little over two years. A little over two years. What was there before you put Arctic there? I don't even know. <laughs> there I mean, was a uh, county maintenance yard there. Okay, so it was easy to replace that then. Right? Yeah. This was... is a better use for that land. Absolutely. Well, I have to thank you for being fun to talk with. You, you're such an in- This was such an enjoyable interview for me. Thank you for being a friend of the program, a part of the Critical Mass community. This is a great project, ladies and gentlemen. And even if you're listening to this as a podcast and it's after this coming Saturday, you've got to go and see this place to appreciate it. It is fantastic and worth an hour of time just walking around and getting a sense for it and maybe even figuring out how you might use mass transit in the future. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you for being a friend of the program. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I want to thank our advertisers, Brandman University, Center Club, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, Smart Business Magazine, SNH Rubber, Succession Strategies, Tone Software, and UPS Protection. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm Richard Franzi. My Twitter handle is CEO Peer Groups. And again, if you'd like to listen to our radio show as a podcast, type in your podcasting software, Critical Mass Radio Show. To learn more about my firm, Critical Mass for Business, type that in, criticalmass4business.com. This is your host, Rick Franzi, saying until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your firm in a positive direction. 
You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show. Focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 